He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me, the door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there any one among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Word of God for the world. Good morning. morning. The gospel lesson this morning is about prayer. And we've already heard some great things about prayer. In fact, after uh, Glenda got through, I just wanted to pronounce a benediction and walk out. I mean, you know, that was good. Uh, And also uh, Philip's prayer and and even the scripture reading. Uh, God is already ministering to me, and I hope he's he's ministering to you. So this morning we're going to talk just a little bit about prayer. Uh, But we're going to talk about what Jesus says about prayer. Uh, Of course, we all pray. I'm sure you do. Uh, You know, when you drive a little too fast and you say, I hope that policeman did not see me. Uh, uh, Or do you remember back when you were in school and you said, dear God, please don't let the teacher call on me. Or or that test comes and, and you prayed, God, I have not studied. I have not done my homework, but help me pass anyway. Well, we all know a little bit about about prayer, but uh, since the lectionary passage was on prayer, I did what all good preachers do uh, as they prepare a sermon. Now, you're thinking pray and read the Bible, right? But do you know what all good preachers do these days before they prepare a sermon? Oh, of course they do those things. But do you know what else they do? They go to the Internet. (laughs) Of course they do. And you wouldn't believe how much stuff is on the internet about prayer. I I found one site about, these were just quotes about prayer. And it had 2,315 quotes about prayer. And and that was just one site. I mean, it just goes on forever. You can find everything you ever wanted to know and stuff you didn't about prayer on the internet. And, uh, of course, you won't be surprised that uh, there are lots of people out there Uh, that have negative things to say about prayer. For example, I found a quote from Frederick Nietzsche who said, I cannot believe in a God who wants us to praise him all the time. 
Okay, well, I can understand that he might say that. But you can find a lot of good things about prayer, too. For example, uh, Eckhart said, if the only prayer you ever said was thank you, that would be enough. Now, I can chew on that for a while, can't you? Just say thank you, and that's enough. Of course, there's some really great short prayers like, dear God, do something. One of my personal favorites. Uh, Especially when Kathy says, T. Thomas! (laughs) Oh, dear God, do something. Um, (laughs) Give her a spirit of calmness. Um, I found a funny quote from Lily Tomlin. Uh, Some of you younger folks won't know who she is. But uh, she said, why is it that when we talk to God, we're praying... But when God talks to us, we're schizophrenic. (laughs) You know, it seems like uh, anybody you talk to, whether they're believers or not, they have an opinion about prayer, don't they? And uh, uh, I I was reflecting on that this week, and uh, I decided that, in my experience at least, and y'all can probably come up with some other categories, uh, but I came up with three categories of how people talk about prayer, uh, at least to me, or talk with me about prayer. Um, And uh, the first one is, there are lots of folks out there who just don't believe in prayer, right? Right? And uh, you probably uh, have neighbors or, or, or have people at work or come across folks who are like that. They just don't believe that prayer does any good. It's a huge waste of time. Uh, now, most of these folks either uh, don't believe in God or believe that maybe God put the world into motion and then he went off uh, to Florida somewhere and he just you know, doesn't care about what's going on since then. And, uh, you know, we call these people agnostics or atheists. But for us... There are even Christians who don't put much stock in prayer. And maybe you've talked to folks like that. They, they think that God knows what he's doing, and he doesn't need us to tell him how to do it. And uh, uh, so that uh, praying is really kind of a waste of time. Um, I found a quote from Nicholas Sparks. One of his characters said, uh, I don't pray because it doesn't work. Prayer doesn't fix anything. Bad things happen anyway. And there are lots of people that feel that way, even Christians. And maybe at some point in your life, you've felt that way too. A second category of added people who have a, uh, a different attitude about prayer, i found, are those who say prayer always works. God always answers prayer. Now, sometimes they'll qualify that and say, now, it might not be the answer you want, or it might be wait. But, but, you know, when you've got a loved one that's dying, uh, you want healing. You don't want wait. You don't want, I've got my own will going. But there are people who believe that God always answers prayer no matter what. They believe if you pray hard enough, if you pray long enough, we've all had those in our churches, uh, <laughs> If you pray with just the right words or with just the right mental attitude, God will answer your prayer. It's almost like we're in some kind of cosmic wrestling match with God. And if we'll just stay at it, we'll get the best of him. 
There's a third attitude about prayer uh, that I've run into more and more as I've gotten older. And this is the attitude that prayer does more to change us than it does to change God. Soren Kierkegaard said, the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. And there's certainly some truth in that. In the same way that there's truth in the idea that God does answer prayers. But if you only believe in prayer in that third category, then prayer is no more than a spiritual exercise. And according to the words of Jesus, prayer is more than that. As a new Christian, I can remember that I was afraid to talk to God directly, didn't have the right words. Um, but then when I got a little bolder uh, and thought, well, maybe I, I could pray to God in the name of Jesus, um, I still was shy. I was afraid I'd say the wrong thing. But the more I read the Bible, the more I tried to pay attention in church, the more I realized that the Bible has a lot of great things to say to us about prayer, positive things and encouragements. And even more, I found that Jesus is the supreme teacher on prayer. The gospel lesson for today, and I hope you'll flip back in your Bible to it in, uh, uh, in the book of Luke chapter 11, and, and just so you can just glance at it with me. Um, this story begins when Jesus is praying and his disciples are watching. And they were probably listening too. And it says once he finishes, one of them says, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So what does Jesus do? He did what he always did. He said, this is a teachable moment. Let, let, let's have a class on prayer. And what Jesus did was, he shared with his disciples what I call prayer 101. He didn't say, I'm going to tell you everything I know about prayer. He said, I'm going to tell you what you can get a handle on right now. And the first thing he did was, he, he did as they asked, and he taught them a short prayer. We more commonly pray the prayer out of Matthew because it's a little longer and it's a little different. But then immediately Jesus embarked on some lessons about prayer. And I'd just like to underline three lessons that I see in what Jesus said about prayer to his disciples. Jump down to verse 9. In these verses, Jesus underlines the need to ask. Now you might think, well, that's obvious. You know, you, we, 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 need to be, we need to be talking to God. We need to be asking. But as I said, there are lots of people, even Christians, who don't ask. They're too afraid to. Uh, I found uh, in my experience as a minister and even in my personal prayer life, I don't have a problem asking God for stuff. The problem is I ask him for the wrong stuff. Right? We all do that. But still there's this attitude that, that creeps into our Christian faith that God knows what he's doing. Who am I to tell him what to do? Well, of course God knows everything. 
But Jesus underlines here for us that we not only are invited, we have an obligation to make our needs known to God. Not our wants, but our needs. And Jesus tells us our Heavenly Father is listening. In verses 5 through 8, Jesus talks about an annoying neighbor. Now, you've probably got one. We've certainly had our share through the years, and we were probably the annoying neighbor for other people. Um, but uh, he, he, to illustrate what he's trying to share with his disciples, he says there was a man who, after he and his family had had dinner, everybody's tucked into bed, and here comes a friend calling who's come from a long distance, and there's nothing in the house to eat. Now, back in those days, there were no Motel 6s. There were no 7-Eleven stores, all-night markets. And uh, so there's no other place for, for this person to go. And there was uh, no place you could run out and buy something to eat. And because people didn't have refrigeration, they bought and fixed what they were going to eat that day, and that was it. And then they, you know, the next day bought something else. And so apparently there was nothing in the house to share with this friend who'd come a long distance. So he goes over to his neighbor's house and he starts knocking. And just like he was before this guy arrived, his neighbor's fast asleep. And he's not real happy about uh, being uh, woken in the middle of the night. But the scripture says, because of his insistence, the neighbor will rise and give him whatever he needs. Notice, not whatever he wants, but whatever he needs. So while, in my opinion, mindless repetition of prayers is no sure solution for getting your prayers answered, Jesus says that we not only need to ask, but we need to insist in our prayers. Praying with intelligence, using our whole mind. Jesus says it's okay to ask. And it's even okay to ask more than one time. I don't know about you, but I find that comforting. But that's not all. In verses 11 through 13, Jesus ends this teaching moment about prayer by talking about the difference between earthly fathers and our heavenly father. And he says that even an imperfect father will not give his son a serpent if he asks for a fish. Now remember, in the prayer that he's just taught his disciples, he talked about asking for our bread every day. Now, this thing about fish and bread uh, probably doesn't uh, get your motor running. Uh, but for the people in Jesus' day, it would. You know how here in the South we talk about being, uh, or we men talk about, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. You know, just give me some meat and some potatoes, and I'm good. Well, uh, in that day, it was all about bread and fish. That's what they lived on. You had to have bread. And if you're going to eat a little something else uh, in the meat category, it wasn't beef, it was fish. And so when Jesus is talking about bread and fish, he's talking about the very essentials of life uh, to continue living from day to day. 
And no father was going to give his hungry child a serpent. Now, other than the story of the bronze serpent in the wilderness, all through the Bible, serpent equals bad. Okay? And uh, even today, I, I don't know about you, but I grew up here and the only good snake is a dead snake. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just, I, I just don't have a good relationship with snakes. Uh, and uh, that's been going on for a long time, even back to Jesus' day. And so no father was going to pull that kind of trick on a kid. Even imperfect parents will give their children fish and bread when they are hungry and not deadly snakes and poisonous scorpions. So how much more will our Heavenly Father give us the things that He knows we really need? Well, He certainly will. For Jesus, there was no, there was no doubt about this. But He's trying to impress upon His disciples the need to trust the Heavenly Father to give us what we really need. So in this Prayer 101 lesson, that Jesus shares with his followers, he underlines three words, ask, insist, and trust. As Philip said, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. Because our egos get in the way, our wants get in the way, and when we're in the midst of a terrible mess, our fears get in the way, of trusting him. But Jesus says, ask, insist, and trust. Have you heard the story about a small congregation not too far from here uh, in the mountains who built a new sanctuary on a piece of land uh, that was uh, uh, adjacent to their existing church that was given to them by a church member? And 10 days before that new sanctuary was going to be dedicated and open, the local business uh, building inspector showed up. And he said, well, the building looks great, but where's your parking? Because since it was in the foothills of the mountains, they'd used all the flat land for the building, for their new sanctuary. And there just wasn't hardly any parking at all. And so the building inspector told him, well, until you get this much parking, uh, I'm not going to give you a permit to open up. Well, that next Sunday, during the worship service, the pastor announced that there would be a prayer meeting uh, that evening. And he invited everyone to come who had faith to move mountains. <laughs> that evening, 24 of the church's 300 or so members showed up and they prayed for three hours that God would find a solution. When 10 o'clock came, the pastor said amen and then he told the faithful who were there, we'll open next Sunday just as scheduled. God has never let us down before and he's not going to let us down this time. And they went home. The next morning, the pastor was in his study and there came a loud knock on the door. The pastor said, come in. 
And there standing was a rough-looking construction worker, construction foreman. And he said, excuse me, Reverend, I'm from the construction company over in the next county, and we're building a huge new shopping mall, and we need some fill dirt. And I've noticed you've got this big mound uh, right behind your new uh, building. Uh, we'll pay you for the dirt, and we'll remove it to start removing it today, and we'll leave it all flat and level, and we'll pave it for you, and we'll give you money for the dirt. <laughs> this is a true story. The little church was dedicated on time. And there were more people that Sunday who had mountain-moving faith in prayer than there were the week before. So my question to you this morning is, where do you stand on prayer? Do you believe it really doesn't do much good and that's why you don't pray very much? Or do you believe it always works if you just pray the right way and with the right words and long enough and or do you believe prayers just to make you a better Christian and God doesn't really pay attention? I'd like to suggest that this morning in our moment of reflection in just an, uh, in just an instant that we pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed that we pray the prayer that his disciples ask him. Lord, teach us to pray. And then that we believe that Jesus and our Heavenly Father can do what Jesus said he can do. He can move mountains.